They say, they say we should have known better than to fall so deep down, deep down into this rabbit hole we found. And I was thinking on the long way down here. No life, no Welcome, life, friends and colleagues. The Down the Rabbit Hole podcast is live once again, streaming through your earbuds and jacked into your brain. Join us as we dive into cybersecurity with an enterprise flavor, bringing you unique interviews and perspectives from around the world. And now, please welcome co-hosts James Jardine and the White Rabbit, Rafal Los. All right, folks, welcome to another edition of Down the Rabbit Hole Podcast. This is Raf and uh, James sitting next to me. Uh, looking forward to this. We are live at InfoSec World 2014 here in beautiful Orlando, and we have a we we've run into a guest that we struck up a con striked up st strike struck. that struck, struck up. up a conversation. My my English is all kinds of good, not good, bad. Um, what was I saying? Anyway, we are uh, we struck up an interesting conversation about the politics and the realities of big data and. Uh, I wanted to get this on the record because this is cool. Um, I welcome our uh, our guest Jim from a uh, from an insurance company. Jim. Hey, how's it going, guys? And uh, Jim's going to. Um, wow, how do we introduce this one? Um, so, you guys have all heard of big data, right? You know, analytics and stuff that we've been doing for a while, mainly a buzzword. Yeah. So, uh, insurance companies are getting very, very interested in your your specifically big data for things like. Uh, rates um, and uh, and and try to optimize what they charge you and um, obviously you know uh, charge you as, as little as possible to get the best service possible at least that's what they tell me um, Jim tell us a little bit more about this because what's the I, I, yeah I'll just let you have the mic man well so uh, rates based on drivers uh, experience and, and the experience we see what they do out on the road um, um, which is basically user-based insurance, um, has been around as far as the idea for a long time, um, but no one really had the technologies in place that made it kind of as close to foolproof as possible. Um, but the idea... I love that word, foolproof. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> the, the, the thing about it is is the idea was to, to get uh, lower rates for our, uh, our customers based on their driving habits. Um, so it's that why does somebody have to pay for somebody else's bad driving habits when they may drive a couple miles to work every day and always stay within the speed limit, you know, the, the old grandma um, station wagon that drove to the, only the store on Sundays. Uh, and, and why would that user have to be affected by the guy who's driving, you know, 100 miles on the highway in his new Corvette and breaking all kind of laws? So the idea of, of basing rates on, on the actual user's experience out there and what they do, um, and experience is a good word because it's not just how they drive. It's not how, how fast they go or that type of thing. There's a number of things that come into the equation that determines that, that experience of what they're doing when they're out there on the road. So at, at its very, very most basic, what effectively you're doing is you're putting uh, a, a piece of telemetry or thinking about putting a piece of telemetry inside a vehicle to, I don't know if I can put this any less eloquently than, track everything i do in my car <laughs> so yeah and that uh, you, you you kind of bring up the first concern that a number of people had um which is that you know 
is Big Brother watching me and understanding everything that I do, and they're going to, you know, uh, do bad things to me from my insurance rate standpoint based on how I drive. And that, I guess the, the thing is, is you know if you're a bad driver. So those that know they're a bad driver probably aren't interested in this type of a program. Those that are a good driver uh, and, and, you know, will have some slip-ups here and there benefit from it. Now, I, I think I'm a, I'm a good driver. I just happen to not like speed limits. <laughs> so depending on how far you get into that, um, that rabbit hole of taking data and analyzing it, um, the the initial uh, implementation of this type of insurance really doesn't um, understand how fast you're driving. However, as you start adding some of those However. data points out there that we that are available now, um, for a number of different reasons from law enforcement and other things, um, that once you start overlaying those data points, suddenly things like how fast you drive, how f- how fast you stop. Um, the 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 way you break speed limits on certain roads, um, and the way the areas that you drive in, suddenly a lot of that information can suddenly be taken into account. So yeah, it gets that rabbit hole gets really deep really fast. You know, you start seeing some of this too. I mean, a lot of GPS devices now tell you your you know it'll tell you what the speed limit currently is wherever you are. Oh yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, my dad he doesn't even use the speedometer you know the gps tells him how fast he's going and how fast the speed is supposed to be oh yeah you know and and he knows that so i mean the the information is out there for every place there is hey this is your speed limit yeah and it's kind of the um i i I have a lot of hot rods and i have friends that have hot rods and we actually find those as a challenge or um it's actually the quarter mile times is a lot for us when we see those signs on the side of the road or on the gps saying oh you're you know you're doing 70 in in a in a 65 see if I can do 90. <laughs> so, you know, or if you're in a Pennsylvania person, you're on the highway where they posted the the amount of the fine would be depending on how fast you were going. You just figure out how much you could afford for that day, you know. <laughs> so it, it's kind of the same thing now is is the data that's coming in is coming in from so many different places that all of a sudden it, it kind of blows this open a lot. It's not just for insurance. I see a lot of other places starting to utilize this information. But for us, it's one of those things that, we can provide a benefit to our consumers. Um, it's the people that are never going to benefit from it that are going to shy away from it. Um, and we understand that, that there's going to be a, a certain amount that we're never going to sell to at this. But for those that, that, that do benefit, it's, it's the, the, the information that we can take now and make uh, use analytics to make intelligent decisions for our consumers. It's incredible. I wonder, though, at what point does... Uh, you know, this becomes such a great thing that, you know, we can do this, that the government sees it and says, you know what, we're going to just require this in all vehicles. I can't, I can't imagine somebody's not working on that legislation already. Uh, you know, I mean, yes. to, to be able to track everybody to that close of, you know, we don't want people speeding, you know, I mean, it, it's a whole new game changer when it comes to that. Um, interesting you say that because there's already talks about that. And then it starts to come into a consideration for the companies that came up with this technology and, and came up with it and came up with a marketing and a, a business case to use it. Um, suddenly that becomes, well, wait a minute, who actually owns this information? And then if they have that information out there, as you said, on every vehicle, then this becomes something that is easily accessible by everybody. So the, 
the actual uh, business ply for us for it to go ahead and start trying to use this starts going downhill quick when other companies can, can start utilizing easily. I feel like I'm seeing a little bit of minority report coming out here. Yeah, so, no yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they're going to be able to predict that you're going to be at this spot on this day. Uh, you know, just by looking at patterns and looking how fast you go and all that stuff. Well, in, Ill- in Illinois, they've you know we we complained that we complained about toll collection because we had to pay to use the roads, which sounds a little bit crazy. Um, but so sorry, folks, I'm losing my voice. Long day, uh, but um, so we pay to use the roads. So we paid, complained about that. So what they did was they made automated toll collection a possibility. Right. So now it's just a transponder, an RF transponder as you drive through which sounded like a great idea and toll rates stayed the same if you used the transponder or doubled if you wanted to use cash. What a great incentive until people started getting tickets for going over the speed limit through the toll gates. And then we're like, Hmm, wait a second. And then I'm driving through, um, because I have one of these devices that tells you when you're being radar check, speed checked. Right. I- I'd like to know it's for my own safety. Um, and as I as I drive through the toll booths, I start getting de- laser tag, de- laser tag, and I'm going, oh my gosh! Now they're now they're checking to see whether you're going. Maybe it's not such a great idea. I mean, this is one of those technologies where if you've got if you're doing nothing wrong, you've got nothing to worry about. I'm like, eh, I don't know about that. <laughs> well, and even if they weren't doing uh, radar laser on you. You know, if they're electronically tracking when you go through each toll booth, mm-hmm. they can calculate how fast you're going between there. You know, I mean, they know whether you're speeding or not. Well, and you start adding stuff like GPS information on top of this data, and suddenly it, it blows it up, and it becomes a lot more interesting. It's not just knowing if someone goes fast or if someone drives on a highway every day as opposed to driving two miles down the road and puts hard any mileage on it. Now suddenly you start actually seeing the, 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 the direction the person went, um, the actual roads they took, understand things about how fast those roads are, how slow those roads are. Do they hit the highway? What are they doing when they're on the highway? All that information can start coming into into play. Um, and there's a number of companies out there that provide information about weather in certain areas, um, accident information, what are the high accident areas. Um, all that information starts suddenly being overlaid on top of data, and suddenly, as you said, you know exactly what somebody's doing. Not only that, but you can start predicting how they're going to drive based on the information you've got from what they did in the past and where they're going and what they're driving on. And suddenly I'm very uncomfortable. <laughs> see so many implementations of this. Like somebody getting in an accident and, you know, you get into court and all of a sudden they're trying to bring in your GPS navigation that you took and say well you should have gone this route you know so and you or you usually go this way why'd you go that way and that's what you know i mean there's all kinds of things you could draw from this information that you know i mean it's just crazy where you could go with it so my my question is you plug this into your v where does this thing plug into like how does it work it's the regular port on any vehicle it's not made out there now Okay, it's the so same one that you hook up into whenever you pull okay, so the computer OBD, obd2 codes go yeah, Come on. yeah. okay so how does it go from there to your computer? I mean, is it like a, is it Bluetooth? Is it you plug it into another device? Um, we've got actually connections. It it does like a call home, just like any type of other device out there that securely connects back to um, our information or data uh, data center, and uh, then that information is is run through a number of analytics. Now, in the past, it was a little, um, it was a lot of data coming in, um, and the data was, um, it was hard to parse through it. And I know you hate this word, but when we started getting into the big data realm, um, 
we, we started looking at different things that we could utilize big data for. And there's always business cases every day that people go, oh, you know, I'm big data now and I need to get into that world. Um, and it's, it's, it's the same thing it was in the past. It's just data analytics and understanding, you know, what you've got, what data you've got out there. Well, I'm actually kind of curious because between my driving and I mean, obviously this thing isn't going to be able to just like from sitting in your car, hopefully it's not going to be able to, it doesn't have the transponder capability to call home through satellites or whatever, right? So somehow it's got to get to the internet, presumably, or something to get to get its data home. I, I'm kind of thinking about having a perfect driving record while still being crazy on the expressway, if that's possible, because manipulating that data will will be what everybody will be after. You've got it. Someone's going to get to the point where they can hack that information and go. I only drive two miles and I go to work and I do 35 all the way there. And that's as far as I go. When in reality, the guy's, you know, driving all over the state and going down the, down the uh, side of the ocean doing about 70 in his Ferrari uh, in a 35. So, yeah, I mean, the, the, any data that's out there has got that threat that somebody could get a hold of it and start manipulating it for their advantage. Um, how, how uh, concerned we are, it's, it's obviously one of those points of data that we are basing a lot of our business on. So we have to have, you know, we have to have our, our risk um, on this one is really high when it comes to anything having to do with that environment. What type of uh, terms do you put behind? Like somebody decides they actually want to use this, you know, I mean, what's stated in there as far as data collection or... You know, any of that information. I mean, uh, well, know, saying, hey, this is what's collected. Because, you know, it started off as something very benign of, oh, here's a little bit of information. And then it, you know, starts exploding as people start understanding what information, you know, could actually be useful. Well, the the big thing is understanding the data points that become relevant when calculating your your driving experience out there. So is it just because you drive fast? What if you um, drive too slow on highways? Is that a bad thing? You know, <laughs> it, it is in the left lane in Chicago. <laughs> yes, exactly. If you, if anybody who likes to drive the fast lane would say yes. Um, if you if you suddenly stop quickly, you've got a very bad habit of slamming the brakes on every time you come up to a light, and then when you take off, you slam on the gas. Um, those type of things, you know, it's not a speed thing. It's an experience. You're doing something different that you shouldn't be doing. Um, so those things start coming to account and understanding how to to figure that information out. Um, and it goes down all the way to technologies besides the user-based um, plug-in devices that are out there. There's also your your smartphones. So your smartphones can be utilized for the same technology, right? It's just software. Um, is there a difference between the two? Um, that's, how we know how, that's how we know what traffic looks like, right? Right. You know, so it was funny enough. I, I was coming to – I was headed towards the airport, going to InfoSec World, um, and, and I was in, in the cab, and I'm, dry, and I'm in the back seat. All of a sudden, you know, I look up and um, and you know, highway's empty, right? We're just cruising along. It's Sunday afternoon, and I'm texting my wife to say, "Hey, I'm I'm I'm, I'm out. Uh, you know, I'll I'll text you when I get to the airport." All of a sudden, my phone goes ding ding. I'm like what the heck? I look back down on it. It says accident ahead. I went, huh? <laughs> well, it was Waze running in the background, providing data to Google Now. And Google now is saying, hey, dude, just, you're about to hit the brakes. By the time I looked up, we were slowing down. So it's a techni- technology that's similar to the same thing that we're doing now um, or that we're t- trying to take this information to. So imagine that I can tell that you did that hard stop. And, and I know that it wasn't, you know, you sliding on ice, but you were actually doing a hard stop. 
and slamming your brakes on, and you do that all the time. Should somebody else that drives the right way pay the same rates that you're driving when you drive and could possibly cause an accident way? Those are the type of things that come into play with this. Um, what about when you're driving over the speed limit? Um, you, you could say, well, how do I know that? What if I'm in Texas and I'm doing 75 and a 75 or whatever the speed limit is down there if they have one? Um, you know, eventually you're going to get to the point where you have to have information to say, well, no, the speed limit in that area is this. Well, guess what? There's software out there and there's companies out there that can sell you every speed limit on every map on every street in the in the world and and it's it's all updated just like your gps pages and, and maps are update, updated so well, i mean i i'm getting kind of all up in arms about your technology and i just realized as i was talking that Waze probably could sell you the same data because i've got I, it apparently it runs on my phone whether i wanted it to or not yeah i installed it a while back i haven't used it in a while because i've been home with the with the twins but uh uh huh that's that's kind of scary. So there are mountains of driving data being accumulated by about us, and we are the product. Let's be honest. Uh, everywhere about who how, who we are, how we drive, driving, not only, I guess, the development of roads, but also insurance rates. Okay, let me switch gears just slightly. Then, how do you protect that data? How do you segment that data? How do you keep it from being used for evil? Oh, that's probably the biggest, um, one of the biggest security uh, projects we've had to do is because, like I said, that data started growing and growing and growing to the point where it's like, well, if we try to do queries against what we've got right now, it's just so unorthodox for us. Um, you know, we're, we've got people trying to parse data down to try to find things out. And and we ended up having to put in an environment, you know, a big data environment um, uh, with one of those big data products. And the the thing that's that's he's doing air quotes. It's okay. Yeah, <laughs> the scary part about that is that big data itself um, and the the tools that are out there right now are not. Um, they didn't think about security when they built them. You know, it wasn't done. It wasn't done for security. I know it's shocking, but <laughs> but the the. Um, the things that we've had to do is segment the state off separately, which we have done with some areas, but um, not as much as we've had to do with this information. It's a lot different. You know, a lot of companies utilize um, analytics when it comes to data for things like if I put a marketing campaign out there, what am I actually getting back as a benefit? Well, if someone finds out that you're getting a bunch of, uh, of sales off of Google, it's not that big of a deal. No one's going to really worry about the data that's lost there. When I have information about what your driving habits and stuff like that, you know, that's that's essentially PIA data that we don't want people to get a hold of. So the, that whole environment is is uh, sectioned off from our rest of our environments that have data um, for analytics. It's also um, we put as many controls to the point where we've, we've spent way too much money in, in, in some people's eyes, um, probably the same as some third world countries making here, just to put – controls around that data from every aspect because we can't turn all of them up right so in areas where you can't you've got immature security controls if you can at least turn other areas up and start creating that defense in depth um, you feel a little bit better in, in big data it's not everything's able to be turned up there's a lot of mediocre security controls out there from a lot of the different companies even the biggest ones out there so when you get things like pdw you get things like hadoop 
the amount of control that's out there uh, from a security standpoint is limited. And you have to start throwing some old-fashioned stuff in there and old-fashioned like firewalls and segmentation of your network. You have to start limiting access control um, on who actually has access to this environment. And that's one of the biggest things we've had to do is just take it and say, you know, the folks that want to get data off of display or, you know, different types of ads that are out there, that's one thing. And we can we can let the marketing team go ahead and get out there and get that information. But when it comes to this information, there's a very small subset of, of analysts that have access to this data. So it's, it's um, unfortunately, nobody out there that I know of right now does encryption at the data element level um, to the um, – to, to the level that we would like. Um, there's a lot of TDE information, which is helpful, but, you know, um, from an encryption standpoint, but we're not really worried about people p- pulling drives out of our, our data centers and stealing them. Um, it, it's that data element that we're really worried about. And, and unfortunately, um, it doesn't seem like anybody's come up with a great solution for that. It's not just for this data, but this data in particular. But we've got a lot of, you know, being an insurance company, we've got a ton of information out there that's very important for us to secure. And we've gone through, um, we've got a number of, of rigorous steps all the way from risk management to threat management um, down the line of our monitoring and auditing and, and everything down to how can we actually protect that data. And we try to push each of those up. And then we've got a couple of great teams that um, don't actually work in the same department. So sometimes it sounds weird to people, but our, our folks that are in our policy side or standard side of, insur- of, of security for us are not the same as the IT side. So it's not a, um, um, in, in the past, a lot of companies have tried to like share those two. And, and we don't do that because we want our policy folks to be able to be kind of, um, uh, they're, they're not being manipulated by that almighty dollar that the IT side has called a budget. They really don't care. They have security controls and we have to meet those security controls. So we may not get the latest thing that we wanted over here, but if we have to spend that money in, in, in an environment to, to protect it, that's where we do it at. And it's all based on risk management um, techniques we've put in place for a few years now. So you are the sixth or seventh <clears throat> seventh person this week to say the word segment network segmentation. Um, we're we're not talking about network segmentation like back in the nineties, are we? No, um, man, you are really losing your voice. <laughs> um, now, I mean, a, a lot of it is is. Um, is understanding where our information is at and segmenting it based on capability and risk uh, mitigation. So um, it's taking that information and putting it in that that we don't want people to get to, and and segmenting that away from the rest of our information down deep, and in a very you know tight hole that nobody can get in touch and get get to unless they are the super user that has access for that information, and only on a need to know basis. Um, and the controls that constantly get talked about, about taking information and changing it every time somebody does get access. Those are some of the mitigating controls we put in place in it. But um, we've got a number of efforts in place when it comes to segmentation, I think what you're talking about in the past. Um, And depending on who you talk to, we've got network folks that think subnetting is segmentation. Uh, Unfortunately, (laughs) we've we've had to explain it's not the case. And from our standpoint, um, great first step, but that's not even close to what we're talking about. It's it's actually understanding who has access to what and putting things in places where only those that need access to can get it. So that's kind of the the um, some of the controls we've had to put in place to make sure this information doesn't get touched. Yeah. So you know, one of the nice things that it sounds like from this is that these people have 
big data, right? I mean, you guys have tons of data, but you're actually, you know, taking the steps to secure it. And we don't see that a lot, which is nice, you know, that you're trying to protect the data. Uh, so, you know, that, that's a good thing. You know, I mean, it, it's it's crazy when we first start talking about this, you know, the, the amount of information that actually gets pulled from these devices and and really the idea of all the stuff that we can take from this. So it's just, you know, it just blows my mind. I know it blows your mind too, Raph, of like, just, wow, I can't believe that all this is out there. Well, it's one of the things you'll see that the progression of this data uh, and the use of this data is going to probably happen in a number of other areas besides insurance. But it's not only the understanding of how our people are driving and consumers and trying to give them better rates and stuff, but what if I could tell you that if you took an extra minute a day, you went from uh, driving down a road that was just had tons of accidents um, to a road that has got great uh, report on accidents. We don't have anything really that happens there, only a couple accidents every couple of years, as opposed to one that, hey, that intersection right there, there's always an accident when I drive by on it. Maybe I'm new to the area. Maybe if I've been in the area for a while, I know not to go down that road. But maybe if I'm new to the area and I'm looking for different areas, based on we can start giving you that information by overlaying some of those maps of data that's already available out there. It's not something we came up with. It's information that's out there readily available to anybody. Yeah, there's definitely some some good things that come out of the data that's there. Right? I mean, I, I think that's with everything. You get good, you get bad. Um, so very interesting. I'd like to thank you, uh, you know, for coming on and talking with us. And, uh, you know, for Raph without his voice uh, and myself, uh, we thank all the listeners for listening. Um, from InfoSec World, we are 2014. signing off. Yeah. As we fade out on another Down the Rabbit Hole episode, we'd like to encourage you to chat with our hosts and guests using the Twitter hashtag pound DTR. Please check out the show notes, catch up on any episodes you may have missed, and subscribe so you don't miss a future episode. Our website is whiterabbit.net, spelled W-H-1-T-3-R-A-B-B-I-T. So, on behalf of Rafal, James, and our guests, for now it's goodbye. We'll see you soon again on another Down the Rabbit Hole podcast.